Cinesnob Podcast is brought to you by Alamo Drafthouse with three locations in San Antonio and one in New Braunfels. Hey, did you know that Westlake's this month, it's Sam Raimi month? Yeah, I heard about that. Uh, they're starting uh, on April 9th this week, they're showing Drag Me to Hell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> did you ever see Drag Me to Hell? I did not. It was an interesting departure for uh, Sam Raimi after the Spider-Man movie. Yeah, no, it was an interesting horror movie. Um, I thought it was pretty... The buttons? Remember the buttons? Mm-hmm. How freaky that was? Well, everything that looked like... It, I like when horror movies look handmade. I, yeah, I, that's I, a uh, Sam Raimi thing. Yeah. Um, speaking of handmade, after that, on uh, April 16th, The Evil Dead, followed next week by Evil Dead 2. And on the 30th, my favorite Sam Raimi movie, Army of Darkness. Uh, I know, you love that movie. Oh, it's so great. You um, like it more than the part two? Most consensus is that two is better than... Every, yeah, I know. It's just more fun to me. Oh, okay. um, it's it's a big uh, – it's kind of a big goof on everything. And the, the whole uh, uh, scene where he's in the castle uh, shooting the uh, the shotgun. Right. This yeah. is my boomstick. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, head on over to drafthouse.com for tickets and showtimes. Now let's start the show. In a world filled with movie podcasts, three critics from the juggernaut media market of San Antonio – decided to change the entire course of the internet. A feat attempted by many and conquered by many to produce a relatively listenable podcast. Devastating truth bombs. Brace yourselves, guys. The Muppets are puppets. You know that, right? <laughs> no! Wait! Oh, okay. no. They're puppets. Don't ruin it! And... <laughs> Muppets is, are puppets. This is gonna... <laughs> Hard facts. Yeah, not Kevin Feige or Feig, whatever, but... I think it's Feige. Is it really? I have no idea. <laughs> Asking the important questions. What is that? What, what was that that I just saw right now? It was like a fat Iron Man. That's it's a Hulkbuster. Hulkbuster Hulk armor. That's, that's, that's how he fights the Iron Man. <laughs> this is the Cinesnaw Podcast. Everybody over their sickness. I'm getting there. I got the cough still. Man, the voice so is coming back. I. I don't know what's going on. We gotta stop coughing in each other's mouths. I think <laughs> is what, the, what the deal <laughs> is. Stop making out. Yeah. Hey, uh, happy Easter, guys. Yeah. We're recording this on Easter Sunday. Did the Easter Bunny come to your house, Cody? Um, <clears throat> no, uh, not yet. Maybe he's a little late making the rounds. <laughs> Uh, usually, there's a nice jelly bean trail leading to my Easter basket. Doesn't those aren't jelly beans? That's Easter bunny poop. Oh no, I've been <laughs> eating Womp, those. Womp. Um, yeah, I've had a couple of Cadbury eggs. Uh, what did I hear about time. that? There's a oh, story there was, that they changed the they changed the chocolate recipe. It's kind of a big big thing among. Uh, <laughs> Like, <laughs> what are you going to say here? No, I'm just – there's this whole like import chocolate stink now because uh, first of all, chocolate is becoming rarer, like actual chocolate. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of companies, chocolate companies that are using something that's not technically chocolate. That's why you'll see like chocolate flavoring chocolate, and stuff. Yeah. Uh, well, everything has flavoring in it. I mean, yeah, but but anyway – so they changed the recipe for the Cadbury egg shells. And people are pissed, though, right? People are pissed. And to top it off, uh, Cadbury is uh, is a licensed brand from uh, the UK. Mm-hmm. I think Hershey's licenses it here in the States. And there's a few other candies that they make that people use to import from, from the UK, from Britain. And now uh, Hershey's put a stop to that in a legal battle. 
So you can't technically get uh, – you can't buy like, – it's like it's black market now, all this British candy. <laughs> used to be you could go to Whole Foods. Whole Foods – not Whole Foods. Um, oh, what is it? Uh, World Market mm-hmm. uh, here locally. I don't know if World Market's everywhere. But they had a like a British candy section. You could buy weird flavored Kit Kats and stuff. Did, so did you eat the one that was the new flavor? Yeah, I yeah I just bought it at the store here locally. Oh. It, so it just tasted, tastes, right? tasted the, the same. same. I mean, it's it's just a sugar bomb. That's all it is. <laughs> I mean, it's there's no. Do you eat it like a British person, like real proper and? I cut it. <laughs> uh, I have a fork and knife, <laughs> as though I'm eating a poached egg. <laughs> no, I don't know. I, I mean, it's it's just I put it in my mouth and my teeth hurt. <laughs> basically. <laughs> What are uh, they talking about? That's a pull quote for you right there. Let <laughs> me redo the intro. Yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, besides Easter, we're in the planning stages of our next big event, Cody. We did. We are. Uh, but Jared, <laughs> um, nobody knows what episode number it is or what oh, our names shit. are. Oh, <laughs> shit. I'm sorry. This is episode 42 of the Cinesnob Podcast. I'm Jared Kingery. I'm Cody Viafania. And I'm Kiko Martinez. Yeah, episode 42 is the answer to life, universe, the universe, and everything. Jackie Robinson. Heck yeah. So I'm thinking of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. And... Uh, and I'm thinking sports because I'm a real man. <laughs> Forty-two was also one of the lost numbers, by the way. Oh yeah, I'm, I don't. What? I'm not going to try to remember them. Forty-two. It, it was a. Uh, anyway. Let 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 us explain lost to you. All right. So uh, the event. The event. Yes, on um, on Monday, April the thirteenth, at Alamo Draft House Park North at seven thirty p.m. We are hosting a. Pee-wee's Big Adventure movie party. Yes. Yes. And it's, uh, it's a um, it's our second event for the Draft House. Yeah, our, um, s- our second monthly event. Um, tickets are five dollars. Five buckaroos, and you get a whole shitload of props. Yeah, uh, uh, we're gonna we're gonna keep the props secret for now, uh, so you have a nice little surprise when you show up. But you will want to be there. Let's give them one prop. Okay, one prop. Um, giant toothbrush. Giant toothbrush. There's your one prop hint. <laughs> and, and most surprising in all of this is that you've never seen Pee-wee's Big Adventure, Cody. That's correct. Well, if I have, I don't remember. Um, I mean, it, it came out five years before I was born. It's the 30th anniversary of, of Pee-wee's Big Adventure this year. Right. Uh, we were talking about this the other day, Kiko. The best movie shot in San Antonio, right? Oh, by far, yeah. I mean... Yeah. You can't. I mean, it's a it's a it's a small list. Yeah, it's a small, <laughs> but uh, it's a small list. But um, yeah, it's the it's the most fun. It's it's hilarious. This movie's great. I love this movie, and every time I think about it, I I remember something that I liked about it that I'd forgotten about. Oh yeah, no, totally. Are, are you gonna Cody? Are you gonna watch it before? Or are you gonna make let the night be the first? I think you should not watch it and just go okay. On. Yeah, I'll go in cold. I, I think that. also that I'm going to be watching him watch the movie. Dude, you know how he is. He's going to just be like, eh, it's all right. He's <laughs> going to be like, where was, where was, uh, he's going to pick holes in Pee Wee's plot. And he's going to ask why, he's going to ask why he made that fancy breakfast and didn't even eat it. Uh, I, I don't know what to say to that. I, I just can't believe you haven't seen it yet since it's such a, I don't. Is it is it on TV as much as it used to be? I remember seeing it all the time before. 
but I guess not, now that I think about it. Yeah, I think just as a whole, Pee Wee Herman completely got away from me. I don't think I've even, I don't think I've seen anything Pee Wee Herman ever. Really? Other than, like, small clips, yeah. Wow. Pee-wee's big, uh, Pee-wee's big Adventure was huge when I was a kid, and it led right into Pee-wee's Playhouse, which is pretty genius. Uh, TV? Even, yeah, even when you look back on it now, I mean, it's... for for Was it considered kids' TV? I guess, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was. I mean, yeah. it had some weird adult stuff that would pop up in it. But... I mean, for like, if it came out again today, I think, like, probably it would be it wouldn't be a big jump if it had a it went to like adult swim or something you it's, know what I mean? it's all on netflix yeah. isn't it uh i believe so i bought the dvds like 10 years ago sucker well they just re-released it on blu-ray too and i hear it looks gorgeous and it, you know what and it's kind of i've watched it here and there recently and it is pretty timeless you know mm-hmm. like it doesn't look like it's 25 years old right or yeah uh you know, only if you knew that it came out in the 80s, just because there's nothing to really date it. You know, it's all a big fantasy world. Right. Right. Big Top Pee-wee wasn't so great, though. Mm-mm. Uh, don't see Big Top don't, Pee-wee. Don't see, well, it's weird. It's very weird. Uh, but I am curious what the new, what is it, Pee-wee's Big Holiday or something? The one they just started shooting for Netflix? Yeah. I think that's what it's called, something like that. Pee-wee's Second Big Adventure. That'd be cool. I hope they come back to San Antonio. Because, I mean, that, you know what? How many times have you talked to somebody about the Alamo and they've mentioned the basement? Oh, all the time. Yeah. That's such a great scene. Well, people that are not from San Antonio, yeah. yeah. Oh, is there a basement in the Alamo? That's a, such a great scene. That, there's a lot of, I mean, even like when you hear the song Tequila. Yeah. I mean, the first thing that pops <laughs> into my head is the movie. Or, uh, I say we let him go. <laughs> no. Yeah. No. <clears throat> anyway, Pee Wee's Big Adventure. That is uh, Monday, April 13th, Alamo Draft House, Park North. Get your tickets online at drafthouse.com. Oh, you could probably go to the box office and get them too. The thing is, um, Alamo Draft House is now on a reserve seating yeah. system. So if you want to go and you want to like have first dibs of where you sit or actually get to pick where you sit, then you should probably – Get your tickets as soon as possible so you can get the seats that you, you want. You know what? I, I haven't honestly dealt with the reserve seating system since it hasn't really been uh, – since we've been doing this, I, we get to see all the stuff early. Um, yeah. But a, a lot of people really love it, and you get to actually pick your – you know, you see a map of the seats. Yes. So – Yeah, so there's yeah. like a seating chart, and you pick where you want to sit. So, uh, yeah, that's highly recommended to do that ahead of time. Especially if you're going with a bunch of people, you don't want to, you don't want to get split up, because you want to be side by side, right, with your friends. That's the whole point. If you're going to, especially something like this, and it's not, uh, it's not a quote along. You yeah. won't have, um, you won't have like closed captioning on the screen for the quotes, but you are very, you're going to be very highly encouraged to shout dialogue and participate as much as you want. We're gonna have a host there. Um, one of the one of the action pack hosts who hosts all those um, quote alongs and stuff and screenings, helping us out, and um, we're gonna have some giveaways stuff to give away. So uh, giveaways. Um, anything else about the screening? Um, I'm gonna wear my pee wee suit if it still fits. Do you really have a pee wee suit? No, I wish <laughs> oh I did. <laughs> I wish I did, but no, I don't. Um, yeah, so that's uh, that's coming up in about a week from. From tomorrow. So. Yeah, a week from 
from uh, from when you'll probably be listening yeah. to this. It's Easter Sunday right now, so eat your candy, eat your ham. Yeah, log on to DraftHouse.com, buy your tickets. Anyway, let's go ahead and move on to news. It's time for the Real Rundown, recapping this week in movie news. First up, just when you thought it was all over (laughs) for toy adaptions adaptations that don't make any sense, it was announced that Paul Feig, director of Bridesmaids, uh, creator of Freaks and Geeks, one of my favorite shows. The upcoming Ghostbusters. Upcoming Ghostbusters, female Ghostbusters. That's all you're ever going to hear it as is female Ghostbusters. Um, I'm trying to think of another joke to go with that, but I don't know. Anyway, he's uh, attached to direct a fucking movie <laughs> about Play-Doh. Why yeah. does it surprise you or anger you? Because I thought this thing had kind of run out run out of steam. How? Well, because stuff like Battleship bombed. Oh, yeah, but then Lego Movie was freaking... Amazing, so... Yeah, but... I mean, the thing about Play-Doh, and the thing that just annoys the hell out of me about this story, is that, at least with Legos, you can have, like, Lego people who you can make a story about. What? You can make Play-Doh people? But wait, but are you gonna have, like, a a movie about the guy who you squeeze and the hair comes out of the top? Like, there's no... Like, like how how do you make a narrative about... Play-Doh. You can. You could have. You, people said the same thing about Legos. No, they well, didn't. I, I'm. I'm with Cody here. There are. There are. Uh, little more. There is a little more structure to Lego. You know. There uh, are. No figu- pun intended. Uh-huh. It fits together better. Uh, <laughs> more Lego puns. There are the building blocks of something there to make a <laughs> film. Because there are. You know. There are people. There are the licensed characters. There are the yeah. I mean, just original. Had, you can you can construct a story out of that, you know. <sighs> I think we didn't we use construct. I don't think so. Anyway, I mean, you <laughs> just have to, there, there just needs to be somebody with a great imagination, and you can create some. I mean, they don't have to be licensed characters. I mean, kids play with play doh and create all these amazing little. I know, but you're. You, I mean, it's like it's like so. You would be okay with like a styrofoam cup, the movie. Well, if I, someone had a good imagination. It is strange that it's kind of a. That's kind of. Kind of a base element of creativity. It'd be like having a movie about Crayola crayons, right? Right. You know, it's just like, yeah, it's it's a great tool to create with, but what's the narrative behind it? Well, that's what we have to wait for. You're <laughs> automatically just tossing it to. I mean, don't get me wrong. When I hear things like this, I usually roll my eyes. But because Lego Movie was such a good movie, I'm I keep. You know, I don't know. Keep my, you know, I can, you know, be open minded and think, oh, maybe they can do something, something like Stretch Armstrong. You know, that kind of is, you know, pushing. But at least that's like, a character. See what I mean? But I mean, you're looking at too much at that. I mean, they're just, they're <laughs> but you're giving too much credit to someone's ability to pull this off. I think that had the Lego Movie been in anyone else's hands other than Lord and Miller, it it probably not would have not worked to the level it would it did. And you wouldn't be so confident in the ability to do it again. Well, I just think that there's some stuff that's too abstract. It's like this is a little too abstract. Battleship was definitely too abstract. Um, I mean, we all saw. You see, did you ever see Battleship? I didn't see it. You saw mm-hmm. it though. It was a piece of shit, and it it only was like minorly related to the move to the game. But the game doesn't really have much to it, you know. Uh, so that's that's where they have to add all this shit, and maybe it works. Like the Lego movie, maybe it doesn't. Like Battleship or uh, Ouija, you know, might as well have been just generic horror movie 101. Right. You know, so 
I doesn't. It's not an announcement that fills me with. Yeah, uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. It's it's missed more than it's hit. You know, I mean, I can't even think of anything other than Lego Movie that yeah. has done well. I mean, if you, I'm, I'm looking at Hasbro's movies that they have at least like they've like sold the rights to or that they might end up making. Uh, we've got Candyland, which Adam Sandler bought the rights to forever ago. Yeah, Monopoly, Hungry Hungry Hippos. Tonka, Magic the Gathering, and now Play-Doh. See, I don't uh, know Magic the Gather- that Gathering. That, the that's a little that more. That, that one at least makes sense. Yeah, because it's kind of a it's a it's a collectible card game that's full of wizards and stuff. So at least it has a kind of a, a an element to it beyond you know like there's some hippos that eat balls, <laughs> marbles, ball eating hippos. But uh, I mean, seriously, who like? Who? Why would you make a hungry, hungry hippos movie? Like, I just I don't understand. It's just it's the worst part of trying to like monetize and squeeze every little bit out of every little product that ever existed. Well, hey, look, it all comes from the success of Transformers, which is something which is kind of strange because Transformers, um, you know, while it's never been high art or anything, at least had a continuity and characters and stuff behind it for the 30 years that it's been around and when they made the films they just made them pieces of shit that are you know that are full of stupid characters and and barely any continuity between the two movies much less between the other like scenes among the film itself <laughs> so i don't know it, it's it just seems like they they think they can just throw the concept there and the people will come uh and i guess that didn't that didn't work for battleship um it kind of it's worked like gangbusters for Transformers. I mean, every one of those films has made a fucking billion dollars. I think. I mean, I think it'll do the same if it's an animated film. I mean, animated films are just going to always be at the top that's, of the box that's, office. That's true. Because <clears throat> look at something like Home, right. which is just you know, it's just a mess. I just can't wait for Slinky the movie. I think it's going to be amazing. Uh, uh, I the I remember uh, <clears throat> they had Ridley Scott attached to the Monopoly movie forever. Yeah, that's true. Well, wasn't the Monopoly movie supposed to be like a serious movie though? Like it wasn't supposed to be a fun movie with yeah. like the guy with the, what's his name, Mr. Moneybags or what's his name? Uh well, I think his name now is Mr. Monopoly, but he used to be Rich Uncle Pennybags. Pennybags, really? Oh. I love Monopoly. I have a I've told you I have a bunch of different versions of it, right? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know that I've ever finished a game of Monopoly. We used to play all the time my friends and I like in high school and college and it would get ugly. Like, cussing. <laughs> do you remember the scene from um, the Kings of Summer with the Monopoly? I don't. I don't watch that movie every time it comes on, like you. So no. Uh, okay, <laughs> that doesn't make it. I mean, it's. I'm it's, just trying to dig at you for watching the movie. It was you, a good movie. You know, uh, you're a prick. That's all. <laughs> that's all. You know what? Tell me. I, tell me about the scene. I don't remember it. The scene is like uh, um, Nick Robinson's character is mad at. Uh, Gabe Basso's character for for like stealing the girl he likes and so he he like makes a trade well there's two scenes one of them where uh, Nick Offerman makes a trade um, and uh, and he and uh, Nick Robinson's character ends up calling the cops on him to report a theft because uh, he got screwed and then again there's this and then the, it happens again in the treehouse and then uh, you see like the Monopoly board and all the pieces go flying out the window <clears throat> it's pretty good I'm reading here that uh, the uh, 
um, the uh, Play-Doh movie is going to be uh, not going to be animated. Oh, shit. <clears throat> <laughs> that it's going to be a live-action adventure. What does that even mean? <laughs> I don't know. That scared me, though. Like somebody that's a master Play-Doh builder? See, I have no idea now. See, I mean... The easy. I mean, think the your faith is your faith has been shattered now. Well, anything that mixes. I mean, anything that mixes live action. I mean, that the I, the biggest part of the Lego Movie that I didn't like was the end. So yeah, I agree with that. Well, Play-Doh. Does your daughter play with Play-Doh? No. Why not? Fuck Play-Doh. <laughs> but why? I don't understand. <clears throat> There's a few things when you become a parent that you never want in your house, and Play-Doh is one of them. What are the other ones? Uh, puzzles. And knives. <laughs> Play-Doh and puzzles are the the two biggest What's ones. What's the problem with Play-Doh? And probably Legos too, but she's never really even asked for Legos. It's just too messy. I mean, you'll get the red Play-Doh into the blue Play-Doh and then oh, you it just know, turns really, it just turn, yeah. yeah. And it just gets real. And then puzzles, you'll find pu- you'll sit you'll sit down and a puzzle piece will go up your ass and then, you know, <laughs> that'll basically be it for you. Then that's not how you work a puzzle. <laughs> <laughs> anything that's that, the missing piece, as far as I'm. Basically, yeah. anything that has small pieces or pieces that crumble, you do not want in your house, especially if you have a three-year-old. <laughs> I'm gonna bring over some play-doh next time. And like, just, here you go. Here's a big bu- bucket of play-doh for you, Laura. You better hope that they uh, that they get the movie made because they're gonna. You know, they're gonna send you some play-doh. Oh, exactly. Yeah. You... I don't like that you're robbing your child's childhood of uh, of. Play-Doh. <laughs> because, because I just don't want to have to clean it up. Yeah, because, yeah. You, because you're lazy. She could, have, she could have been like some master sculptor. Yeah, exactly. Like, like, fuck this. I don't want to clean it. <laughs> that might be. Speaking of live action, there's a live action Winnie the Pooh movie in the works. Uh, Cody, you have some details on who's behind this. Yeah. Disney uh, hired um, Alex Ross Perry, who wrote and directed Listen Up, Fill Up, which – uh, is such a, a weird choice. He's going to write Winnie the Pooh, the live action. Alex Ross Perry, um, I, I, well, I should say, Listen Up, Philip is a very adult-themed, like, dramatic movie. It's got Jason Schwartzman in it. Um, it's, it's such a weird, weird choice. And I think doing a live action Winnie the Pooh is a really weird choice as is because... Why? Well, I mean, because you have a, an iconic an iconic character that you're going to, I mean, let me just put it this way. If uh, assuming it's live action, I assume they're going to do what they do for like babe where they, you think so? No, cause the, the whole deal is they've always been a stuffed bear. It's not, it was not a real bear. Mm-hmm. Like the, even the original story, he's like, you he has stitches and stuff. On so, it. but okay. And, and what about everything else? Every other character, like, like Eeyore and well, Tigger. Eeyore is also stuffed. They're all stuffed. Not mm-hmm. not all of them. Um, Eeyore and Pooh are, but uh, I, don't I, don't th- I don't think anybody else is. <clears throat> I'm not sure who's stuffed and who's not. Well, I mean, Rabbit's obviously not. And, uh, I don't think it would be like Babe because Babe, they they look more like animals. Well, right, but this more like animals. But and... this says live action, so I would assume that means <clears throat> no like CGI live action hybrid, or that's what they would. Oh, call I don't. It. I don't think. I don't think that means that necessarily. I think that means it's going to have real – I think all live action means now is, yeah, there's going to be real people in it somewhere. Well, yeah. And the only real person in Winnie the Pooh would be Christopher Robin. So, right. Know. But I think it's going to be I – would, I would 
I would really, really be surprised if it was not like a CGI Winnie the Pooh, and at least some variation of how he looks now. Right. It's not. They're not going to go use the source material, the Milne source material. It'd be cool. If they just brought in like a real grizzly bear. <laughs> right, and that's <laughs> in a shirt, in a little shirt. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, <clears throat> it's kind of a you know Calvin and Hobbes situation. Yeah, they, I mean, except you know, he's always a stuffed bear. Mm-hmm. I really like the way that the uh, series, uh, the film, is, I mean, not not that it's a series, but I guess the franchise ended uh, with the the last Winnie the Pooh. I really like the way that they went back to like the real classic way that they made it, and uh, it was real sweet. And it, it seems like Winnie the Pooh has been the one Disney property to escape ever being exploited. S- yeah, not, expo- like, not exploited. I don't want to say, but just kind of run into the ground with stupid stuff. Right. Yeah. It seems like it. Yeah. It's not like really super popular. It's just yeah. kind of like one of those sweet little franchises that they have on the side. That kind of yeah. you know, like it's always it's always in a baby's room somewhere. Right. Um, even the Saturday morning cartoon they had was pretty low key. Uh, I don't. I, I just uh, the uh, the idea is going to be Christopher Robin as an adult. Oh God. In this hmm. movie. So like Alice in Wonderland style? It says the focus will be Christopher Robin as an adult, which brings him back to A.A. A. Milne's famous bear in the Hundred Acre Wood. Oh, man. I don't know. I don't know about that idea. <laughs> uh, I wonder. That's weird. That's a weird way to do it. But they had the success with Alice in Wonderland like that when it was technically not Alice in Wonderland. It was, <clears throat> what'd they call it? Like Alice Underland and... Oh, Just as long as Christopher Robin isn't played by Will Ferrell, I'll be fine. <laughs> I find it because there, there's a lot of stuff in here that like um, um, about like these indie directors or indie writers doing um, these animated movies or these like family films or whatever. Because um, uh, so like you know you have Will McCormick and Rashida Jones do, uh, writing Toy Story Four, mm-hmm. and then another one that. Um, that, that people have been referencing here is um, there's a guy named um, I think his name is P- oh, hold on let me get his it name. happens all the time I mean Mark Webb came from nowhere to be to direct Amazing Spider-Man oh it, it was um, 500 Days of Summer Mark Webb yeah David Lowry who who directed um, did you guys did either of you see Ain't Them Body Saints mm-hmm. he's doing a remake of <laughs> Pete's Dragon and so like and that was another one that confused everyone um so i i found i find that interesting taking these plucking these indie filmmakers and putting them into these huge huge well, projects not, yeah it's not only animation though i mean the <clears throat> who's doing jurassic world is uh that colin trevorrow from uh safety not guaranteed i think i may have may have mentioned this before but that's kind of a i read this in uh the tom lennon and robert ben garant screenwriting book they talk about how the director of a film is always the guy that has the least ex- i mean is the guy on is most likely the guy on set who has the least experience mm-hmm. um, just because they pluck directors from nowhere right to to make these films because they had one hit uh and they're the they're the only guy on set who who may have just just this is his first film right? that that's that's true but in in almost every one of these cases they're also the writer so that's, I mean, so that means it's their vision coming forward as well. So you wonder, I mean, because when you have an indie director, you're almost always having a director 
that is uh, uh, focused on dialogue because yeah. indie films are you know 90% dialogue driven so if you have an indie screenwriter then you're really going to be hiring them for their ability to create dialogue i would think i'm fine with it i don't have a it's 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 cool that they get opportunities like that i it's, think it's crazy it's cool to, it's cool to, it's 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 kind of amazing to think that you can slave over this like this small project you know and if it gets some sort of recognition you could get a huge job out of it I know it's crazy. That, I mean, Colin Trevor, he did, he did Safety Got Not Guaranteed, which I didn't love. I mean, people, I guess, people really like that movie. I like it. Um, and then he and then he ends up in Jurassic Park. I know the world the, the world of Steven Spielberg. You know, it's kind of that just seems like a lot of pressure. I, I mean, I don't know. He's either going to fold or I don't know. You know what? I wonder how much different it is to do something like that compared to an indie film because. A lot of that stuff is kind of uh, – the momentum is there. You know what I mean? Like the production is going to get done because yeah, half of it is right. CGI anyway. Right. You know, so you're not like, oh, shit, I got to go shoot this dinosaur. You know? <laughs> it's not like I got to go. Oh, I got a go. dinosaur wrangler out there. So if it's just, you know, they're there for the human parts of it as opposed to the – Yeah, I know, guess so. I don't know. Just a bigger stage I'd like for a, them. I'd like a chance to do that. Wouldn't well, that be awesome? No I need to make a an indie film. Make an indie film that just you know does well at the festivals and the festival circuit, and and you're okay. just uh, you're just posturing for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles three, yeah. <laughs> and do it right. No, I want to. I want a chance at the whenever they reboot Transformers. When they reboot Transformers, what in twenty want, years? If as soon as it stops making money, man. As soon as one of them doesn't make a billion dollars, they're going to start over. That's how it goes now. Spider-Man, Amazing Spider-Man 2, made a ton of money, but not all the money. We want all the money. We want we all the fucking money. <laughs> so, uh, what's, there's also another, isn't there another live action uh, Disney film in the works, or am I thinking of Cinderella that just hit? There's, they're they're going to remake all of them. Basically. Oh, Mulan, I heard about the oh, other Mulan. day, too. Well, I've heard, you know, they're going to do um, um, Little Mermaid. Um, really? They're doing Beauty and the Beast with Emma. Oh yeah, Beauty and the Beast. Emma, Emma, what's her name? Watson. Is it Watson? Is are you talking about Emma from uh, <clears throat> from Harry Potter? Harry Potter. Yeah, Emma Watson. Emma Watson. Which Emma is it? Is it Emma Watson, <laughs> Emma Stone, or Emma Roberts? <laughs> I think Emma Watson is the. Uh, they're the doing choice. live action Jungle Book. I think John Favreau is doing that. Oh, right. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, live action Beauty and the Beast. Um. Yeah, I don't see anything else. Call me when they do a live action Treasure Planet, you guys. Are you serious? Live action <laughs> out of all of them? No. Live action Hunchback. I want to play the Hunchback. Mm. Live action uh, uh, <clears throat> Lion King. Because they're real lions. <laughs> are there any, there's no humans in Lion King, are there? No. Man, have you guys seen the um, the cast for The Jungle Book? It's crazy. Who is it? Uh, Bill Murray. As Baloo, Ben Kingsley, Idris Elba, Scarlett Johansson, Lupita Nyong'o, Giancarlo Esposito, and Christopher Walken. Is that technically a Disney movie? Yes. Okay. Well, okay. And John Favreau's directing that. Uh, yes. So you're gonna love it, right? Uh, I mean, 
I didn't love. I, I've I've only loved one of his movies ever. So but, and <laughs> Elf. <laughs> why Why do you always pick on me? You're such a You're such a meanie. <laughs> I thought I was a prick earlier. Well, you're a prick also, but you're and also a, a meanie. And a big old a big old dumb meanie. All right, so uh, Winnie the Pooh live action and a whole bunch of other live action Disney movies coming your way, whether you fucking like it or not. <laughs> And Alice in Wonderland 2 is still coming out sometime. Ugh. Not from Tim Burton, though. Still, ugh. Still, it's going to suck. All right, that's enough of news. Let's go ahead and move on to reviews. Here are this week's reviews. First up, we have Furious 7. You remember Owen Shaw? The one we tore half of London down trying to get. Well, this is a big bad brother. British Special Forces assassin. The kind of unique asset that no government would ever admit to employing. How do I find him? The official answer is, you don't. He killed Han. Almost killed my family. He also tried to put me in a body bag, too. Which is why when I get out, I'm going to put a hurt on him so bad he's going to wish his mama had kept her legs closed. But until then, my official answer to you is stand down. Now you know I can't do that. I do know you, Dom. Which is why now I give you... The brother to brother answer. You do whatever it is you gotta do. When you find that some bitch, just do me one favor. What's that? Don't miss. Deckard Shaw seeks revenge against Dominic Toretto and his family for his comatose brother. All right. <laughs> That's we, all it was about. Well, then why was it an hour too long? We all, <laughs> Kiko, why don't you start? You know, I'm not a fan of this uh, franchise. I mean, I thought five, I've seen all of them. I've seen uh, the six before it, and I thought five was really fun. Yeah, that's the um, only one I've seen. You've only seen five. It. Well, you saw the best one. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, Tokyo Drift was terrible. The way that it's, uh, I mean, the original one, I guess, is okay. I mean, if I had known that another seven were going to come, maybe I would have paid more attention to it. Um but this is just, you know, the the whole idea of a director and a writer throwing in everything and the kitchen sink type of thing. I mean, this has everything from top to bottom that you want out of one of these movies, uh, from, the, you know, the car chases to the explosions to the one-on-one fight scenes that you want to see. I mean, you want to see The Rock. Did The Rock have a fight sequence? Mm-hmm, with, the, with Jason Statham with Jason, at the beginning. Right, and or Jason Statham versus Vin Diesel or... Um, Michelle Rodriguez fighting Ronda Rousey, Ronda Rousey or, and then I didn't know that the there's that one Tony uh, Mar- Tony. See, I'm not familiar with that versus world fighting. Uh, <clears throat> I assume Paul, one of Paul Walker's brothers, right. standing in for him. But yeah. So, um, I mean, you, they're just going down a checklist. What do audiences want? And I guess that's great for this type of franchise. I mean, they're going down the list and check marking every everything that they want, and that's what this movie is. I mean, it's just. It's the most bloated one out of all of them, I think, um, and the one that doesn't really make the most sense. I think that uh, you know, as the mo- as the story continues, ha- things happen just so the movie can keep going. Um, mm-hmm. they- people show up to places at the exact perfect moment because like, like if across they- the globe. Because if they didn't, then the movie would end. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, but I mean, again, I'm the worst person to watch a movie like this with because i just can't i mean it, it's there's scenes where it's fun but then at the same time i'm just kind of like oh, i mean that didn't really make any sense i mean why did that happen or, or or you know why did the script just completely 
skip all this just to make this scene, you know, happen. And, and it just doesn't make any sense to me. So um, I thought The Rock was the best part of the movie. Um, and he mm-hmm. doesn't – he's not in it as much as I thought he was going to be. He's mostly up in a hospital bed, yeah. injured. Um, Only to, to emerge as a badass. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, The Rock, and he, he has a great uh, <clears throat> following in the wrestling uh, uh, well, he, rank still. And he has a great, you know – his persona. charisma is is just off the charts. You know, he's the most likable person in the whole film. Right, and I, I feel like um, I kind of feel bad for him because he really. I remember when I interviewed him back for a Get Smart. Um, mm-hmm. He really was talking about you know toning down and you know being more of a Tom Hanks type character. He went <laughs> in more roles like that. Um, he didn't really right. want to be seen as like this meathead type of. Person, he wanted he wanted to be a serious actor. That's why they. That's why he. uh, At one point, you remember he was going to kick, knock the rock uh, name out. He was just going to be called Dwayne Johnson. Uh, That's not that didn't happen. Uh, His (coughs) career path did not go that way at all. Did you see? I mean, um, look at him. Look at him in this movie. He's freaking ripped. Yeah, he's huge. (laughs) Did you see Pain and Gain? Uh, no, I didn't. He's. He's so good in that. He's the be- he's the only good thing about that movie. Oh, he's the only good thing. We were talking about be cool. Be cool. He's the only good thing yeah. about be cool too. I I thought he was really good in that. So I think he's very he's a very talented. Uh, 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 I'm not gonna say he's a very talented actor. I think he's a very talented um, performer. I think it's a yeah. I mean, it's different... it's basically the same thing over and over again. Yeah. I mean, be cool was a little different. I didn't see pain and gain either. But I it's... mean, he's better than like when you think of like meathead type actors who i mean he could be the next big action star if he got his own well if he got his own you know thing that's not like the scorpion king type stuff i mean he needs something that's really strong strongly written and well and i mean he had a he hosted snl last week i didn't watch it but it had rave reviews because he's just he's funny and and charismatic and yeah so uh, I'm a big fan of The Rock when it comes to his the stuff that he does in the films, not this film specifically, but he's able to get some good stuff out of his characters when the movie's not written well. Anyway, but this movie, uh, I'll let y'all talk about the Paul Walker stuff. I thought it just, I kind of was off put by it. Um, I feel like if you wanted to see a really sensitive uh, homage to Paul Walker, you could have done it the day after he passed away. On YouTube, that's kind of what you get at the end of this movie, and I think a lot of people are like, "Oh, the ending was great," and it was a, it was a, you know, a nice way to end it. But at the same time, it just, it was kind of a memoriam type thing, and just kind of felt, you know, thrown together. So, I think it was the only way you could have done it. Personally, yeah, this, yeah, this movie had, it was unavoidable. Yeah, it, they were. I mean, to to. You know, in their defense, they were put in a terrible position. Yeah, and I, yeah, I think they made a good choice of the way. I mean, I'm not sure what they had to, what the script looked like before he he died, and what they had to change. But I'm sure it had to do more with like him um, becoming a father to his. I'm I'm sure it didn't have this him retiring. You know, there was Spoiler. never. Spoiler. Well, we all know that that they're not. It, they made it pretty evident that they weren't going to kill the character off. They yeah. were going to have him. You know, retire the character. I mean, he very literally goes off into the sunset. I mean, like it's, you know, I, I, it really bothered me the whole movie, frankly, knowing that that he was dead as a result of a car accident. Mm -hmm. I wrote this in my review that he was dead as a result of a high speed car accident, and this movie is full of high speed crashes 
I think not only that, but yeah, high speed yeah. that people like just walk away from. Like I mean, oh man, I, I that's don't, that. I don't want to get too far away from the point because I want to talk about the movie itself. But to that to that point, I, I, I've I've been wondering um, because okay, so like for example, like I said last week, I saw Need for Speed right after Paul Walker, like the week that Paul Walker died. Yeah, and it was really uncomfortable because it really is just like high speed car crashes and explosions the car explosions and stuff like that this stuff is so over the top and cranked up to 10 that i don't know that the imagery exactly connects because you're seeing something that's so insane but at the same time i could absolutely see how someone could i i'm, I'm torn on how i feel about that but, but it just reminds me i'm not going to spoil the climax of the film but the climax of the film there's yet another car accident yeah i know what you're talking and about there's all of a sudden, out of nowhere, a sense that someone might be hurt or yeah. someone might be dead when it didn't ever connect before. Right. You know, none of this other amazing, uh, just incredible. I mean, there's a scene early in the film where where uh, Vin Diesel and and Jason Statham literally have a high speed head on collision with one another on purpose, on yeah. purpose, and just fucking walk out of the car. Yeah, both of them. Yeah, you know, with nothing, no blood, nothing. And that's my main problem with the with the films. Um, again, like Kiko said, Fast Five's a lot of fun because it's yeah. it's a heist movie, and it's and it's and it went from these car chases, uh, these I'm sorry, not these car chases, these car related movies, um, to being like a, a an interesting like heist movie, and then with the sixth one, um, I don't know what it became. It became like this like crime fighting type of like vigilante stuff mm-hmm. and it just lost all focus but you could see in 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 the sixth one especially they decided to just go ape shit and mm-hmm. do whatever crazy stunts they could cook up and it didn't matter how if it made sense it didn't matter if it was possible or not by physics they they just didn't care and in this one it's cranked up even further and you know i'm you know, I, admittedly, I have problems with suspension of disbelief every so often. <laughs> but as much as I can do suspension of disbelief, there comes a point that where there's a threshold for me where I, I can't help but go, "Oh, oh, come on, that's just <laughs> ridiculous." And that's 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 all this movie is. It's just a series of "Oh, come on." Like, I mean, I, I'm sure all of you have seen the trailer out there where you have the car flying out of one building in Abu Dhabi t- to the other building that's. You know, it's cra- yeah, it's crashing between two buildings. It's just the most ridiculous shit. <laughs> and that that, that, that scene actually isn't the most ridiculous out of all of them, even if it even if it is cranked up to ten. There's some, I mean, there's some. I won't spoil anything, but there's some stuff that happens to cars that would have put people in their deathbed. I oh mean, yeah, there's nothing that you know. Well, it's it's it, just crazy that you know, pe- like you said, people just get out of the car and walk away. And, and it, like, like I said, that hung so heavily over my head. With the whole Paul Walker thing. And he's not, um, you know, he's weirdly quiet in the movie. Yeah, you know what? I noticed that too. Um, and I mean, obviously for, I mean, I don't know. Kind of reports vary on how much he shot of the film. I think the most consistent I've seen is he shot about half of his scenes. Um, so I was, And obviously he wasn't, you know, he passed away and he wasn't able to do, you know, additional dialogue that they may right. have recorded later. But uh it was just a big distraction to me knowing that he was knowing that he was dead, knowing that there were doubles 
filling in for him. I think you're also kind of waiting to see how they deal with it. Yeah. And uh, and they deal with it. It's classy. It's, it's classy and it's and it's respectful and it's but god there the movie it just was so like there was a real sadness that hung over everything on it. Yeah. As as ridiculous and as stupid as it was. Like I don't know why these movies get critical love. Uh that It's a it's weird. That that something like Transformers doesn't get because I see them as like just a hair apart when it comes to stupidity. And look, I understand I understand that the point of this movie is just to be mindless fun, but that doesn't make right. it any less stupid because it is just it's just brain dead. It's a completely stupid movie. And and that goes that goes that's across the board. That goes from the stunts that goes to the writing, which is awful. Yeah. I mean, you've heard that clip there. It's, I mean, it's just, it's, it's terrible writing, and 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 the acting from like Vin Diesel is just awful, and it's just, it feels like a um, when there's an amnesiac subplot that just kind of gets oh, dropped yeah. in and out. Well, and I love that, like, I love that. Yeah, yeah, that's a ridiculous plot. But also the the like the Jason Statham just shows up everywhere all yeah. the time, always, <laughs> and, he, and he's basically a Terminator. Yes, like, exactly. He just can't be killed. It's just it's it's almost like if a B movie was given a two hundred million dollar budget, and well, they're just making this, these these pieces of crap with giant budgets. Well, that's what I'm saying about like there were so many things in this movie that reminded me of Transformers movies, like repeated shots of like five cars driving in formation yeah. like through a desert and then kind of uh i guess the the difference between these movies and the transformers movies is i guess transformers movies have kind of an inherent like ugliness and racism to them uh <laughs> this one doesn't but there was a lot of asses yeah and a it's lot shot of like, like a music video and a lot of ridiculous kind of uh over the top like uh, I guess Middle Eastern stereotypes, yeah. Like the the prince or the sheik or whatever that's throwing some ridiculous party and you know I um I I, I saw someone on Twitter uh, I someone um uh who who I guess writes about film I don't, I don't know I don't remember who it was but I, I actually I do remember but um <laughs> great story it was someone who <laughs> yeah I just saw him on Twitter no uh and he said something like uh yeah I mean of course fast uh, furious uh, seven doesn't make a lot of sense but who really cares do you expect it to I'm like yes it's a narrative movie it's supposed to make I, sense see I seriously don't get the critical love it gets I mean I understand the escapism and you know what my brother came to the screening with us and he yeah. loved it but he's loved every movie since then and he and he's kind of He's the type of guy that you know messes with his car and puts new shit on it. I don't understand why it gets a pass for being bad. I don't. I don't. I don't either. I don't know. I just don't know because it's at like eighty-seven percent on Rotten Tomatoes right now. You can't possibly think that stuff like the dialogue is good in it. Like you can't. You can't possibly think. No, that. but no, no, no positive review I've read of it gives that a pass. But it's all. It's all like you it's, know what? It's, it's dumb. It's but dumb, I love it's it. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And yeah. you know what? That's fine. That's a fine opinion, but it's it's a strange opinion to have. Uh, I agree. I agree because I mean, there's 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 something to be said for entertainment value. Absolutely. Like if a movie is not good on its head, but it's 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 fun to watch, then there's there's absolutely value in that, and you can even give it a positive review. But um, like look at Fast Five. I mean, we're talking about this franchise. I mean, so I mean, there's bad dialogue in that one as well. But yeah. I mean, yeah. it wasn't up to the. But it's, it wasn't at the point of. of but this. it was really <clears throat> fun. It, but it's just it just gets to a point in in this movie and with the sixth one where it's just loud and obnoxious. Like it's just it's cranked up to ten, and I and it's just it, and I really do mean loud and obnoxious. It's just like like just, just like <laughs> like 
engines engine sounds for like an hour and a half, two and a half hours as as this was. And yeah. that's another thing too. This movie was way too. Is it was this the longest one out of all of them? Oh, it had no. to have been. The, the last one was pretty long. It was two hours and twenty minutes. I think is the official runtime. Um, they could have. I mean, there's a whole middle act. The middle of this movie goes on forever, and then. Fittingly, they get there. The last ten minutes or so is the is the basically the goodbye to Paul Walker. The, and the thing is, there's a certain turn that happens in the movie where, at this point, they're like, "Okay, how do we wrap up this Paul Walker thing while still being?" A bit, because the problem is, you can't include Paul Walker in the climax of the movie too much because he wasn't alive to shoot the scenes. So almost the entire, I would say, last quarter of the movie. I mean, Jared and I were trying to figure out. I don't think it's Paul Walker at all in the last like. I know. I know there are some shots that he did because I mean, obviously, they don't they don't shoot chronologically, right? But uh, I know because I saw a, a picture of the the last scene they did uh, that Vin Diesel and Paul Walker did, and it is from the L.A. Okay. set climax. But like you said, the whole his whole fight scene with Tony Jaa, mm-hmm. it's obviously not. Him, you know, there it's right. there's sh- it's all in shadows. You get one good shot of his face, um, and it's you know it's it's nothing except a huge distraction, at least to me. And I can't imagine that fans of the series, uh, you know, fans that have been there since the beginning, can see it as anything other than you know, man, how are they gonna how are they gonna do this? Well, and I think that one thing that the other the other movies did that this one doesn't, which is surprising to me given what they were trying to accomplish was there's always this big family theme behind uh-huh. these movies. And it's one of those things where you're, you're hearing it, but you're not seeing it. Like you don't, you don't really see that bond, that connection yeah. that's built. Yeah, you're right. That, that was built. I think fast five built it pretty good. And then it's kind of just like, it feels obligatory in this one. Well, Vin Diesel says family like a, a million times. times. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what do you think? Do you think they should have started the film over or do you think that they had to do this for Paul Walker? Do you think that they should have scrapped his part altogether? No, I no, I think they had to do this. No, I think, I think it was not only for, I think, I think they had to do it for everyone involved. I think they had to do it for yeah. the cast who had been working with him for 15 years uh, you had to do it for the fans because, I mean, the fans of this franchise are diehards of this franchise. Yeah. So you had to do it for them. Uh, I'm sure it was cathartic for everyone involved as well as sad. Um, but I think that you know you hear a lot of talk of that's what they would have wanted. It's that's probably the case. I mean, I would assume that they would have wanted to finish it. I think it was the only way you could do it. Yeah, yeah, right. and it's the only way to continue it as well. I mean, you can't just kind of knock out a the one of the biggest you know, characters of a film and just like, okay, we're just going to skip over him. And you can't and pretend. And like not acknowledge it or just. Right. I mean, and, and we all agree it was, I mean, there was as classy a way as they could have handled it. Yeah. Um, but man, it just, it just, the whole thing hung over me. I couldn't, I couldn't shake it the whole movie. You know I don't, I, mean? I, didn't, I don't think I found it as, as I don't know if you found it uncomfortable. I didn't, I don't, I don't, I'm not sure if I felt uncomfortable watching it, but it just felt odd. Not uncomfortable, but just, yeah, odd is a good word. You know, just it didn't feel right. I personally never felt that until the end. Yeah. Uh, everything else was. I when I started to notice throughout the movie that he wasn't really talking. You know, like I said, like there were kinda, just like extra scenes that they added. Like he's just sort of standing in. around, not saying anything. Uh, there's also. Do you remember? There's a scene. 
that happens really early on in his, a funeral? in his house. Oh. Uh, I think he's... Uh, I can't remember the context of it. I think he's like working on something or he's talking about talking to his wife about having a kid or something. Oh, uh, when he's... On, like they're in uh, Dominican Republic... There's 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 a couple yeah there's a couple extended Paul Walker scenes that I feel like would have been cut had he not had he not died. Well, I think I think the one if I'm thinking of the same one you are, I th- it has to be one that was shot afterward. It has to be something that was included. Okay. Because uh, it because there's just a lot of there's a lot of stuff in there that feels disconnected. Like you can tell that they had to manipulate this thing a little bit. Yeah, it's well, not that smooth. Well, there's a. The, it, you know, it spends a lot of time telegraphing that this is his last ride. Yeah. You know, as for whatever, however it's going to end up. I mean, you know, they flat out said that they're not killing the character. Yeah. Uh, before the film it was also, released. It also becomes really convoluted towards the middle where, where you have, like, this Jason Statham plot. And then something entirely different comes in with yeah. the Kurt Russell stuff. And, and Jaiman Hansu. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I didn't get the Jaiman Hansu storyline at like, all. Like he just kind of threw it in there. He's and... a fucking two-time Academy <clears throat> Award nominee. And he's all he does is play these fucking grunting villains anymore. And you have, <clears throat> you have a new cast member with the Game of Thrones girl. Oh, yeah. Who is, of course, a beautiful hacker. Yeah. Who you get to see her bikini-ass, <laughs> bikini-clad ass. <laughs> uh, there are a lot of characters in this one, right? Tons. Yeah, mm-hmm. but it's it was weird. I mean, I think they eventually came together in an in an okay way, but for a good twenty minutes, you're like, what the hell is happening right now? Yeah. Like, like you were you you spent the first twenty minutes developing this plot line, and then out of nowhere, something totally different comes. It's like, in. oh, here's a different villain. There's two villains. Yeah, and they don't really interact. There's, I mean, there's no. They re- they re- they react indirectly in the climax. Yeah, but. But it's and, and and I will say they do tie it together at some point. But for a while, you're sort of like, wait, I thought I was just over here, and now <laughs> I'm over here. Uh, I did like Kurt Russell though. Yeah, I did, and I thought he looked like an old catcher's mitt. Well, he's just an old man. I, <laughs> no, I didn't like that I, I, part at all. Did you, that's the part, Mister Nobody. Mister Nobody. I hated that name, yes. but it was just a. I don't know. Again, again, it reminded me of Transformers. Like, here's this government operative that gives these civilians. The run of uh, I, I should their say military paramilitary operation. I didn't like his character. I just liked him in it. I just, oh, I know. I, I just think he I was chewing scenery pretty pretty good. Yeah, in no, it. I, and then like he has that one scene where he winks. Yeah, and you're like, what the fuck's happening? Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, it, I can't get over the Transformers comparisons in my mind, and just how how people just eviscerate those and fucking hate them so much critically. And this one, it's like, yay! Fast Furious Seven is dumb, but I loved it. It's a weird reaction to have. I, I, I um, the whole. I mean, every once in a while, you can say you can indulge yourself in a bad movie and just kind of enjoy the experience of it. But, um, but then sometimes it's just a, a headache, you yeah. know. Speaking of, let's go ahead and do grades, Kiko. I think I'm going to give this one a pass. Um, just kidding. B plus. <laughs> no, I'm, um, <clears throat> it's not the worst of the series. It's not the best of the series, but um, it, it graded on my nerves after a while, and it's way too long. Um, the Rock is good, though, so I'm going to give this a C minus. Cody, I'm going C minus. Well, I was I was at a C when I first saw it, but then I went back and looked, and I, the review I wrote for Furious Six, I gave it a C, and this one's worse than six. So, um, 
C minus. C minus for me too. But that does nothing. No, no one's. I mean, people are going to see this movie. Oh, how much has it made? It's made like 150 million, almost. I think this Jesus weekend. Jesus Christ. But yeah. Then no. there'll be a part eight. Crazy eight. People have been asking me. I've talked to quite a few people about this movie since I saw it. A lot of people have been asking me. If this is the last one. And see, what they don't know is that you're a producer. So, on the, on the <laughs> show, so. I am a part of Vin Diesel's One, <clears throat> one Race Films production uh, company. No, uh, they've been asking me since I've seen this. You know, everybody wants to see it. And they've asked me you know, if this is the last one. I said, oh, oh no. No. Oh, no. I mean, they made – maybe there will be some cast changes. Maybe, you know, obviously Paul Walker's character is, is done. But maybe – I assume Jordana Brewster's not coming back. Yeah, probably since she's not. not. Since she was pretty heavily just Paul Walker's wife in this movie, mm-hmm. but uh, there's well, no she's way. She's also Vin Diesel's brother or sister, so it's true. She I could, don't. I don't. Could. I wonder if they would do that though. Would they bring her back and not? Probably not. I'm saying no. No. Because uh, <clears throat> then you have to get into the oh, where's Brian? Yeah. Oh, he's yeah cause, watching the kids. Because the whole point of it was him getting out of this lifestyle, right? For a family, why would they bring? Her, anyway. Yeah, so there's no doubt that there's going to be an eighth one. When it's going to happen, or how, what route they're going to take, or what's going to you know come out of it is still up in the air. But um, yeah, they'll just get another huge star to play the bad guy, and you know we'll see Meryl Streep and you know <coughs> racing cars next or something. Didn't uh, Helen Mirren? Helen Mirren wants, wants to be to, in it. Wants to be the bad guy in the next one. There you go. All right, let's go ahead and move on to our next movie. Going Clear, Scientology, and the Prison of Belief. Someone had told me there's this cult, and they'll make anything possible in your life. I was deeply convinced that we were going to save the world. It was a transcendent experience. You feel euphoric. Everything you do for endless trillions of years depends on what you do within in Scientology. They sell it all in the beginning as something quite logical. You take on a matrix of thought that is not your it's own. so strong that it sticks you like very glue. Very very suggestible. You just don't see it happening to you. You justify so much. There is no logical explanation other than faith. This is an in-depth look at the inner workings of the Church of Scientology. Now, this is something different for us. This is actually an HBO documentary. Yeah. Which not, we, don't, we don't do this. Do Have we done this before? Uh, Take on a movie that's hit TV first. Well, it didn't. I mean, it, it's played festivals. Oh yeah, place, played uh, so Sundance. Right? Played Sundance. Um, I don't know that we've d- done it directly. Um, I mean, again, are we talking? Well, I mean, it doesn't really matter. Look, a movie's a movie when it comes down to it. Right. So. Exactly. I mean, Citizen Four had a huge HBO debut, and and we had done that. But plus, it was a slow week. I mean, who's going to go up against Furious Seven? Yeah. Only, Give us only a break. if you're going to take down Scientology. But I think HBO is their legitimate. Uh, the, the legitimacy of their documentaries has grown tremendously over the past, you know, even five years. I mean, they've always had great documentaries, but it's even some of their original films are, are pretty decent. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the Jay Roach political stuff is. I liked uh, Recount, and Game mm-hmm. Change was okay. Yeah, but I then the, the... the one that uh, the um, Larry David one oh, was well, awful. That was clear bad. history. I tried to watch that. And... Oof, stopped. I like Temple Grind. Oh yeah, that was a great that movie was good. too. Um, anyway, so yeah. Cody, why don't you start? Sure. Uh, so this is based off of a book with the same name called uh, uh, "Going Clear." 
um, which was a, essentially an, a piece of investigative journalism and an expose on Scientology. Um, now, I will say this movie impacted me a little bit different. Uh, because you are a Scientologist. Because I am a practicing Scientologist. Uh, <laughs> what, what, uh, what, all hail what, Xenu. What's uh, a Thetan, what OT level are you? I'm OT3. Wow, you're yeah, just a baby. God, you're just a baby. No, you not him way up there, right? Man, you need another. That's going to cost you another hundred grand. Right. Yeah. Uh, no, you know, um, and and so I I I, ha- I did not know a lot about Scientology going into the film. Um, one of the best things about the film um, is the, f- the 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 way that they the perspective that it comes from is not coming really from Alex Gibney, who. Is is an insanely prolific director. If you've ever checked the movies that he's done, he he does like five or six documentaries a year. Um, you know he's like he he did this. He's got the Sinatra one on HBO coming yeah. out. He's got uh, Steve Jobs one coming out on HBO later this year. Um, he's just insanely prolific. It's probably not five or six. It's probably more like three or four. But um, oh wow, he did he, like he did the Armstrong lie, which I felt like he got in the way of. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't know if you, I, I don't know if you agree with me on that one, Kiko. No, but... I do. He, yeah, he put himself a little bit too much into it, but um, yeah. I mean, there's not really a way around that because of what happened. I mean, that's true, but he also <clears> let <throat> him off the hook. So, um, we still secrets. He did a great job secrets, with that. But, yeah, uh, he won an Oscar for um, what was the one that he won an Oscar for? I don't know, but he won for a uh, Taxi to the Dark Side. I okay, yeah, I think that's right. Um, but anyway. It is framed by, or I mean, it is from the perspective of um, people who were in Scientology for. I mean, I think everyone was in it for at least a decade, and, and then I mean, they it, left. And not just not just members, but high ranking lieutenants. Yeah, they've got some 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 like board members or whatever you would say, um, high ranking officials from the from the religion. And and you know, you say religion, it's really a religion for tax purposes, as you find out. Um, it's more of a, you know, a being nice, calling it a lifestyle, uh, calling it what it is. It's more like a cult, but, um, you know, it's, it's, it's shocking. I mean, it, it truly is, especially for someone like me who did not, uh, know about a lot of this stuff. It's totally shocking. Not so much the belief system that goes behind it, but the stuff that has happened, um, I mean, there are very serious allegations of abuse happening within uh, within this church, and 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 you know, very poor um, treatment of of other people. And um, you know, there's a section of the film um, that is perhaps the most shocking, which is there's about I would say twenty minutes, fifteen twenty minutes, just dedicated towards Tom Cruise because Tom Cruise is the face of Scientology. Yeah. He's a giant movie star. People associate it, associate him with it. And there is just some insane, crazy stuff in this movie about Tom Cruise. Like there, there's a, there's a weird phenomenon that happens, in my opinion, when there's well produced video that's not meant for everybody to see. Yeah, kind of like a like a any kind of church programming. Yeah, or. Uh, I compared it. We were talking the other day, Kiko. I compared it. I don't want to be. I don't want to put these on the same level, but to the ISIS videos that have been released, mm-hmm. that just have these insane production values for something that's so crazy. Yeah, and that's how the Scientology thing felt to me. 
there's a video of like a convention yeah with just these like weird massive torches yeah it's uh, it's very weird it's very it's oddly theatrical yeah and then there's another one with tom cruise uh being given a giant fucking medal yeah like a, a like a cartoony giant medal <laughs> yeah uh, and and then he salutes a, a painting of l ron hubbard yeah it's uh, it's so weird it, it, and it just but it's so well made and so well produced yeah. and also they they show a clip of that famous one that hit the internet i don't know four or five years ago yeah of him just kind of ranting about scientology with a turtleneck yeah while some knockoff mission impossible music plays yeah. in the background the uh, uh i think another part of this film that's that i loved was um uh Paul Haggis, his uh, he's got. I, I really liked him in the in the movie. Um, you really like his movies too. Right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, but but you know the the point that he really hammers home is the idea of how the the way Scientology works, which is you you buy into this belief system of you know just trying to be a good person, and you know it's pretty basic. And then once you hit your certain level, they the sci fi shit comes in, and you're like, what? <laughs> what the hell? Like I mean, it's it's like legit, like because of course you know L. Ron Hubbard was a sci-fi author, and so <coughs> when you hit a certain level of your of your OT or whatever it is, the, you know they show that's when like the Xenu stuff comes in, and that's and and I love his reaction. There's a, there's like a there's a scene where he's, you know, reacting loudly to to what yeah. he's being shown. Mm-hmm. Um, and and just a quick aside on, on Letterboxd, um, I think I told one of you about this quote, but. There was a quote from this person named Ben Hassler on there, uh, who wrote his review of uh, his letterbox review of Going Clear was the best, most sincere cinematic endeavor that Paul Haggis has ever been involved with. <laughs> you know, um, when you when you take a step back and get past all the crazy and all the weirdness that comes to the to the uh, comes with the the religion, uh, it's really a self help thing. Is yeah. kind of what it what it starts out as. Uh, I think I think what what I'm gonna get shit for this, but I mean, when you look at it, at what it is on on the on the reason that Scientology gets so much shit all the time is because it's so new. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? No, I. Agree. I mean it's a brand new thing. I mean when you look at Christianity, when you look at Catholicism and things like that, I mean it's those go back, you know, centuries, and you know that that that's already ingrained into people i mean is is scientology and th- and 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 believing in something something like xenu as fucking crazy as believing in a talking snake and believing that you know man came from woman came from a man's rib i mean it's, it's all insane if you think about it and a logical standpoint it's just scientology is so new and it's coming from a guy that is a sci-fi writer so looking at on face at face value i mean it's just crazy for people to think that this is some kind of real thing, you know what I mean? Yes, I I, I get what you're saying, but also you, there's also the element of, um, I guess when you look a little deeper and you find out that it was essentially like a get rich quick well, scheme, right? I mean, I don't look, I don't deny the the. I mean, I don't not deny, but I don't I don't forgive any kind of you know, criminal activity or scams that are going on, but. Like Kiko said, and this is coming from somebody who's never had religion in their life. You know, I've never, I didn't grow up with it. Even it's just not a, yeah, I know. <laughs> Fucking on Easter Sunday, I'm talking about <laughs> shit too. Uh, on fa- face value, 
it's it's only nuttier because it's because it came from the nineteen you know, the twentieth century. You know, in nineteen sixty somebody cooked this up and it sounds you know, and it's all of the time. Like right. we were talking about this with uh, someone at my work the other day about how uh the the religion uses very nineteen fifties, nineteen sixties imagery in its in its myth making, you know, that these space planes are like DC eights, you know, <laughs> uh they were modern planes at the time and and there were atomic bombs involved. And it's just very of the time. And I'm sure that that is a tenet of all religion. You know, it's it whatever, you know, just because Catholicism is two thousand years old doesn't make it any less weird yeah. on the surface than something that's, you know, 50 years old. Um, so that, that part, yeah, it's all kind of the same to me. Religion's all kind of the same to me in, it's in coming, one big mush. You just, for, with Scientology, you, you, you see the root of it. Yeah. And I think that's where people are like, wait a minute. Yeah. Like most people, you know, you come into a religion because your parents are a part of it. So you don't really know, like, unless you're like a, you know, you study religion then right. you kind of really go back but most people i mean go to church on sundays and they just you know do what they do ha- because that's what they know having faith is but, not the problem right <clears throat> i think that's a whole different story i mean right. this of course this is not a religion per se but uh i think the faith thing is you know really is what hammers down this kind of story and you know why it's so well look it's- interesting and weird and it's a. Uh, I mean, religion is all has has long been kind of a civilizing factor in society, and it, it it gives people maybe not necessarily a perfect moral compass, but at least something to live by. Right, some kind that, of uh, values. You know, and, and occasionally, like we see modern times with gay rights and stuff, it it starts to to clash. But history typically sorts that stuff out. It may just take a while. But you look at something like Scientology, um, and at the root of it. A self-help thing is not bad, uh, but the, what the way that they're pulling it off is where the the real problems lie. Is that it costs so much goddamn money, <laughs> and that they're so secretive, and that they make people sign billion-year contracts, literally. Yeah, it's it's it is kind of funny too when you hear when you see the interviews with L. Ron Hubbard, who is so like like so amazingly against. Uh, psycho- uh, like psychiatrists, psychology stuff like that. When really, when you when you boil down like the entry level main ideas of Scientology, it's very rooted in psychology. There's self actualization. You want to be an a, like a um, an all around good person, and you want good. There's the idea of um, going clear, or or really just kind of purging your thoughts. Like if you think, I think it's basically like if you think. If you if you process the ideas and the thoughts, then you won't be affected by it anymore. I mean, that's that's similar to to some psychological stuff. Um, the thing is, uh, the the rampant corruption and blackmail and, yeah. and, and <laughs> oh and, that stuff and like all this crazy stuff that's happening behind the scenes. I mean, I don't think we it necessarily needs to be let off the hook for being um, a dangerous thing. Um, but uh, they just have so much money behind them; they can do whatever they want, really. Well, and that's the thing; it's they're hoarding money, and you know they're paying pennies to their people that that work for them. And yeah, one of the biggest revelations I think in the movie is that supposedly Tom Cruise had all this stuff, yes, done like all this work done for him, 
you know, tricking out his bikes and cars and building entertainment centers and stuff that was all done by what is essentially slave labor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, they have like legitimately prison camps for Scientology, yeah. like literally prison camps. It's crazy, and um, I, you know, I, I think that one of the things that, that that really drives home the point in every scene is you have basically um, Miscavige's who is the leader of Scientology, like his right-hand man who left. Mm-hmm. And and everything that he says is sort of amplified by the fact that, like, he was in it. And, um... He was... His da- Marty Rathbun, who's the, yeah. the, was the... Basically the second-in-command. Yeah. Under, under Miscavige. And he and he left, and, and he's he's very front and center in the film. And it's just it's just crazy. I mean, he's he's speaking out about everything that's happening in it. And so it's not just celebrities and actors and people who left. It's... Like like we said at the beginning, it's high ranking officials. Yeah, you, know, you know, it almost doesn't get higher than Rathbone in the in the in the movie. So. Yeah. So so basically, when it comes to I mean a documentary, I think that I want to learn something, and in this one, I feel like I already knew a lot of it. You know what I mean? I agree. And uh, and, and it's, I mean, not that I'm sitting around reading about Scientology and, and and studying it or anything, but I mean, you've you've heard things. I've seen videos. I've seen videos where the <clears throat> where the uh, Scientologists will come with cameras and point them in your face when you're pointing it at, at their uh, Scientology yeah. center or whatever. So I've seen a lot of that stuff. I knew a lot about the you know, you know the crazier parts of you know the the religion, quote yeah. unquote. Uh, some of the things, some of like the Tom Cruise. There was some Tom Cruise stuff I didn't know about. There was some new stuff I'd never seen. Like, but video, I, yeah, yeah, like that video of his party, of his forty second birthday. Party. Right, yeah. right. So that was kind of cool. But so like, but really like seventy thirty maybe seventy. I knew and didn't wasn't new. Thirty, I kind of felt like okay. I kind of yeah. It's different. What what got what was most interesting to me were the talking heads. Like um, um, director, remind me, Paul Haggis. Paul Haggis. Uh, some of the more higher ups. The thing I'm I I just when it comes to films like this, I mean, it's just so one sided. You know what I mean? I mean, there's no way around it because nobody would talk from this church. Right. So I think until somebody talks from the church and they're able to put a camera on somebody like. Tom Cruise or or John Travolta, there's always going to be that 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 gap for me. Uh, th- this wasn't I wouldn't consider it groundbreaking or anything like that. I think that until that happens, until a f- filmmaker is able to uh, break through that or get somebody that has never been on camera, like Nicole Kidman or mm-hmm. like um, Katie Holmes, Katie Holmes, some somebody that big um, to go along with what they have already. Or somebody like Miss if man, the, could you but, imagine a Miss Cavage documentary here, where they sit them down like yeah. a? But you're you're the, the one thing that you're 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 not, I guess, factoring into this is the type of blackmail they have on all of the people that you mentioned. So you're never going to get it because they have all of those uh, records of the processing that they can use for blackmail. Well, it, kind of the. To, um, to, I mean, yeah, I understand that. I mean, and maybe it will never happen, but I'm ne- just saying that if it does ever happen, I think it'll give a more shine, more of a, a different perspective on it, and, the, uh, which could be a lot more interesting. Not just this one sided. I mean, because we're all talking about it like it's. I, I guess. I guess you're you're pro- you're proposing an idea that I don't think could ever take place because you're always going to get propaganda essentially from the people well, that are well, in well, it. Well, look, the the movie kind of ends with saying. You know, it's going to take one of these big celebrities to burn it down. Right. Um, and the movie hints at, well, not hints at, but it it, it shows that, that Tom Cruise is profiting from this. Yeah. 
and has no reason to, to ever change anything. Mm-hmm. It it heavily implies that John Travolta is trapped yes. in this. And I think the unspoken thing uh, about this is his sexuality. Yes. So the, the Travolta – and there's rumors everywhere that John Travolta is gay. Yeah. Which I don't know what the you know the, the stigma for that really is anymore in Hollywood. Yeah. Um, but that's kind of the implication that that that's why he won't speak up because it's there's a, there's a section of the movie that focuses on a his former was it publicist? Uh, <coughs> who was she? A she Sparky is her she name. Was, she was the person in Scientology who was <coughs> charged with putting together all of his stuff. So I guess it was a publicist within the church. Excuse me. Gosh. But uh, I, I, it has to be more than being gay. I mean, if that was the case, come on. I mean, that's not... Well, he's uh, he's done so many things to try to protect that image of his. I mean, of course, that would... I mean, in his eyes, it would probably break him. I, I don't know. I, I mean, don't think it, it, I mean... Well, look, his, I mean, I can't... I don't want to speak for somebody's personal choices as to what they think is destructive and what they think isn't. I mean, that's just my take on it, is that if he was gay, who would give a shit? Right, you know, especially right. now, and you know it'd just be like dotting an I, basically at this point, because there's all so many rumors about it. Um, <clears throat> but whatever, whatever the case is, they they the movie and the people in the movie heavily imply that he's that he's under the thumb of Miscavige, right, you know, for whatever reason, and that Tom Cruise is just benefiting, like he's just raking in, yeah. The you know it doesn't it's there's no there's no reason he would ever but give it up right <coughs> so I, I I don't know I, I I don't I see Kiko's point that it's one sided um, I don't know that there is necessarily another side that would fix it you know I, I mean I'm not really faulting it because I mean I understand that there really is it's impossible to get that other side but at the same time I think a, a movie that did that would be a little bit more balanced and interesting. Because, I mean, there's there's just normal people that are Scientologists that I assume just go about their day-to-day lives I, that I, aren't in prison camps and the, the reason labor. The reason that the, the other side of the thing uh, is not is not as big, because that that, that's usually a big factor me, with me in documentaries. The reason it isn't is because it comes from people who used to be in it. And so um, they were on the other side. Mm-hmm. And and they're out there saying, "Hey, we we you know regularly lied to the media about stuff like that's true. like the stuff with Rathbone. He's he's straight up saying <laughs> yeah. he's talking about how he lied to the face of that reporter in England or whatever. Well, everything he said. I mean, and he does such. I mean, it's not even like it's such a good job at lying. It's kind of scary, you know. Yeah, and so that's all you're going to get. And you know, and I guess we're going to get into grades here. But um, you know, the thing that you're saying about you knew everything. Um, I think that. Personally speaking, um, that is not a reason to to knock down a documentary in any way because I think documentaries are crea- created for people who haven't heard of these things. So the thing that Going Clear does really well, I thought, was it packs all that information into uh, into two hours, which is it packs in the history of L. Ron Hubbard and how he started it. It um, It packs in... That like the tenets of Scientology and the stuff behind it, um, and then it also packs in the craziness behind what's going on behind the scenes. So I think it's not as comprehensive as it could be. It would have been nice if it was like a mini series where you could get it in different chapters. But uh, but um, but all 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 that said, I didn't know about most of the stuff that happened, 
and uh, and as material for someone who didn't know most of it, I think it's extremely well done. I think it's well packaged. I mean, not to take anything away from me already knowing a lot of you know the craziness and how many date tins I have in my body. You know, there's a lot. There's a hell of a lot. I can't get them out. Help me, <laughs> help me, please. Um, so it's really well packaged. I thought um, he does a good job. I mean, Alex Gibney's a top-notch document- documentary filmmaker right now, and I, I, I can't think of anybody right now that I would want to see more of a of their work in terms of that genre. So I don't know. What's your grade? <clears throat> What's your grade? I'm giving this a solid B. I I, I thought it was really well done, and um, I like to see him go back and. You know, r- tackle this again from maybe not from pulling from a you know a source material, but kind of going in there alone. It's crazy to me that the somebody like the FBI or some some high ranking you know government agency uh, hasn't somehow gotten into the you know hasn't that's um, that's the plot of the next Fast and the Furious <laughs> hasn't um, found a way into in, infiltrate the Scientology world, but. Maybe that maybe that's happening right now. We just don't know it. Yeah, I like that. It's sort of like the idea behind "Sound of My Voice," where they sneak in and try to infiltrate a cult. Right, that'd be interesting. I think there was a, a quote in the first book by Stephen Colbert about religion, and it was, "If you don't know, if you're not sure if your religion is a cult, it's a cult." <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, yeah, solid B for me. What about y'all? What about you guys? Uh, B plus for me. Um, Really, really well done. Enough shocking material for you to go step back and say, "Whoa!" And I and I think that you know having it the way the ways in which and I haven't read the book. I, I'm going to read the book, but the ways in which it benefits is you have L. Ron Hubbard on camera, and apparently that's a pretty rare thing. Yeah. So um, it's got some of that footage there, and I just love, love, love the way it's structured with people who were in the church, high-ranking officials, people who were. Uh, very, um, I guess, outspoken about the religion in the public eye. Um, that's the only perspective it comes from, and I, and uh, well, other than the guy who wrote the book, um, going clear, and uh, and I think that that's just such a smart way of framing it, and it's really well done. Yeah, it, it gives it a kind of um, authority that I didn't really expect, but uh, still, kind of like Kiko, I, I knew a lot of this beforehand, so it wasn't real a real revelation. But I, I will say it's a solid B. And I would recommend seeking it out. And you can watch it on HBO. I'm sure it's repeating, but it's also on the app, HBO Go. And I'm sure it's on HBO HBO On Demand. Demand, So, All right, let's move on to our last segment. Find a comfy spot on the couch and welcome to No Ticket Required. This is our Netflix segment. We haven't done this in a while, have we? No, I don't think so. So uh, we've got some Netflix picks for you. Cody, why don't you start? So I'm I'm uh, gonna go off the rails here because I told you one thing and I'm gonna go with something different. Um, and I hope I hope that I legitimately hope that we don't start doing movies we've already talked about because <laughs> I forget which ones we've done before. So forgive me if we've done this. Uh, What's we- the cycle of stuff coming in and out of Netflix? I don't I, even know. I, I don't know. It's weird because I just saw that. I mean, they pulled Amadeus, a movie like Amadeus off about you know a year ago, and now it's back on again. So I don't yeah. know how that works. It's so we Cody and I have talked about this before. How <laughs> streaming is getting so splintered that it's starting to really piss me off. I don't get it. Why don't they just put everything online? Just because it's right rights. now. It's rights, man. I don't. I don't get it. I don't know what what is what and what isn't. I mean, it's it's going to just turn into you're going to have a million places to go to watch movies again. Yeah. You know, anyway, let let Cody speak. 
Speak his mind. Uh, yeah. Um, I and I stop me if I've talked about this one, but I'm going with Bernie. Um, Richard Linklater's Bernie. Um, I think that when when Boyhood came out, it's all anyone could ever talk about about it being Richard Linklater's masterpiece, and I think it is. Um, but I also think that the one movie out of out of his current run that's that gets a little underappreciated is Bernie, um, because it's an amazing, amazing film. Um, and and for for whatever reason, I feel like I've talked about this before. So, uh, but um. Let's go back to the archives. <laughs> yeah. But you get you get this performance out of Jack Black, which is unlike anything he's ever done. Um, and also the opening the opening scene to this movie I love, which is Jack Black basically giving a lecture on embalming someone. Right. Um, and uh, and so he's like he's like making incisions. It's like it's in in like gluing mouths, and it's it's really morbid, but it's also um, really. You, you can't turn away from it, which is a, a lot of how Bernie is, because it's surprisingly dark. Yeah, it's an interesting tone because, I mean, it's such a dark, true-life story, but they do this little comedic spin on it. And I love movies like that, that were, yeah. where they're able to, you know, take something like that and just kind of flip it on its head. And and I think that the trailer, I remember seeing the trailer and being totally disinterested in it. The trailer does not do it justice. And also it does this thing with that Linklater is so good at, which is blending non-actors with actors in the film. So basically, it's um, he's interviewing townspeople as as like a documentary section, and he's actually interviewing some people who interacted with the real life Bernie because it's a true story. But he's also at the same time interviewing actors, right? So like with the first time you see Matthew McConaughey in the movie, he's being uh, he's being shot like it's a documentary, like he's one of the townspeople. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Uh, you know, it's it's really smart. It's really well written. Jack Black is incredible in it, um, and, and really, it's 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 a Linklater movie that I think gets um, gets sort of forgotten about because you know when when before Midnight came out and you know was nominated for an Oscar and and everyone was talking about how great it is. I think a lot of people forgot how good Bernie is, and like you can even find Bernie. Like I saw one time, I saw a Blu-ray of it at like Dollar Tree for a dollar. Like, I don't know why this movie gets, is so underappreciated, but it's, um, I would just like buy 10 of them and give them out to Did people. Did you buy like, it? No, I had it already. Um, should have bought, bought it for me. <laughs> why would I do that? You haven't seen it? I haven't, I have not. You're a prick. Remember? Yeah. Pricker, uh, pricker. Fire it up on Netflix. If you want to see Jack Black do something you've never seen him do before, which is tone it the hell down. And, um, I remember when a Jack Black movie used to be an exciting prospect. Yeah. Like in the early 2000s. Yeah. Was it? Dude, I was a huge fan of Tenacious D. Oh, yeah. See, I wasn't. And in his work on Mr. Show. Yeah. Yeah, he he plays, uh, you know, Bernie is such an an amazing character because he is the nicest, like, down to earth, (laughs) uh, friendliest man of all time. But he ends up doing this terribly dark thing. And, uh,. And it's just really, really great. Um, so I highly recommend, if you haven't seen Bernie, to check it out, especially if you're curious about Richard Linklater and, and sort of this renaissance he's having of, of, of this run of, of, of really great films. Um, you know, Bernie might have been the one that started it. Um, I, I'd have to look back at the filmography, yeah. but I think Bernie kind of started this. Not bad newspapers. <clears throat> uh, probably not. <laughs> cool. Kiko? Um, I'm picking a, a documentary I saw last year um, by a man from Houston, Texas. His name is Darius Clark Monroe. 
Um, he made a film called Evolution of a Criminal. And basically, he turns the camera on himself uh, and makes a, a, a film about what happened to him when he was 16 years old, which is he, him and a friend uh, robbed a bank at gunpoint. Um, he got three years for it. Uh, so what he does here is he goes back to the, t- uh, the, to the town and to the people that were in the bank, the bank managers, his family, turns the camera on them and, and talks about the incident and how it affected their lives. So it's really interesting to kind of, uh, I, I, it's probably was um, uh, therapeutic for him to go back and kind of see how he changed people's lives by sticking a gun in their face at the bank. Um, so it's really 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 uh, fascinating when he does that and some people are are, you know son you were 16 years old you didn't know what you were doing kind of forgive him other people were like man you fucked my life up because of that day i can't you know get past that and so it's a really powerful take on on a on a a crime that you know that a 16 year old really doesn't you know have the brain to know what the hell he's Thinking, I mean, he, he knows right from wrong, but at the same time, he doesn't know how he's going to affect people in the long term uh, when it comes to something like that. The kid just wanted money. You never, you know, you have no idea what's going to happen 20, 30 years from that point. So uh, to be able to go back and actually get those answers is really fascinating for me. Uh, so um, it's called Evolution of a Criminal. It's by a uh, director and uh, Darius Clark Monroe. And uh, you should seek it out. It was uh, pretty interesting and pretty good. It's on so, Netflix. And it's on Netflix now. Cool. Uh, Jared? Uh, my pick is uh, <clears throat> a movie from uh, 2000 that uh, that I love. That uh, I also love the book. It's uh, American Psycho with uh, Christian mm. Bale. You, have you both seen it? Yeah. Um, it's, uh, it, I read the book. The book is uh, by Brett Easton Ellis. I read the book after I saw the film. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's super 80s. It's kind of the yuppie, go-go 80s. Yeah. Um, the book makes it fairly clear that Patrick Bateman, uh, the main character played by Christian Bale, is insane. Yeah, because uh, it's it. The book is told in his first person, and he just has this inner monologue going all the time. One of my favorite lines from the book, he's just rambling like in his head, and one of the, my favorite lines at the end of one of the paragraphs is, he just says, "Ice, ghosts, aliens," and that's it. Like it's just <laughs> just nonsense, but the the movie makes it a little more um, ambiguous, yeah, as to what is actually going on. Towards the end, you kind of everything, all the pieces start to come together. But uh, I think that it's a really people kind of underestimated the movie when it came out. I don't know that it got uh, it's hilarious the attention. It's so funny. Um, I I have to return some videotapes. <laughs> But I have uh, I have three favorite scenes. Oh, what is it? <laughs> three favorite scenes. First of all, uh, the cat in the ATM. Uh, okay. The uh, the the line of "Don't just stare at it, eat it." <laughs> you eat her ass. Yeah. <laughs> and then the third one is obviously the one that everyone loves, which is the Huey Lewis in the news uh, uh, murder scene. Mm-hmm. But there's. When he's talking about the album and he's he goes and gets the axe and then he just starts like moonwalking yeah. back. I don't that that makes me laugh more than anything else. I love the his like delivery of that entire scene and then that little like like dance he does across. I love the dick measuring with the business cards. <laughs> yeah. Uh when he like he's like the the color is bone. The lettering is something called Cillian Rail. And then uh Whatever Jared Leto's character's name is, whips out Paul the, Allen. Paul Allen whips out the the badass one. He just gets he just fucking loses it. 
<laughs> and there's a, it's a pretty great cast. Uh, uh, obviously, uh, Christian Bale, kind of his first big role post child star, uh, and obviously before the Nolan Batman movies. And then Reese Witherspoon's in it. Uh, Chloe Savigny, um, Jared Leto, Willem Dafoe. There's an unedited version, or not unedited, but unrated version that I have on DVD that's a little... I think instead of eating her... He's, instead of saying eat her ass, he says eat her asshole. That's one of the big changes. <laughs> I, I, thought, I thought asshole was the line. Maybe you've only seen the unrated one. Or maybe. Because it's, it's... Apparently, there's that's the difference between R and unrated. Maybe he's writing his own fan fiction. Yeah. Um, <laughs> don't see American Psycho 2 yeah. that came after it because it... It totally derails the whole premise of the film that he's actually an insane person. Yeah. Uh, Mila Kunis and William Shatner are in that oh, one. Oh, Jesus. That also hit Netflix. <laughs> yeah. Fuck, fucking crazy, right? That also hit Netflix recently. But I, I, American Psycho is a great, a great movie and a really great book if you, can, uh, if you like to read. Uh, <laughs> I know Br- Brad Easton Ellis has kind of lost his mind lately. Mm-hmm. He, uh, he did that movie recently with uh, – Paul Schrader, the Lindsay Lohan. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, it was terrible. Uh, did you see it? The Canyons? I, inter- I interviewed Brett Easton Ellis for that movie. Oh, yeah? And he just totally defended the He's whole thing. He's quite outspoken. Have you read that uh, that crazy New-, is it New York Times piece on the production of that movie? No, I haven't, I haven't read that. I can't remember if it's New York Times, but there's a, there's a, a long, in-depth article on the making of the Canyons. Um, and it's just a crazy story because I think uh, – like Lindsay Lohan was living like this is her this was her effort to come back, like her nineteenth effort to come back. Mm-hmm. And I think she she was living at the Chateau Marmont in Hollywood at the time and was just just fucked up the whole time. And they hired uh the lead actor in that movie is a porn star. Right. Uh James Dean. Mm-hmm. Um oh, he's a great, great American actor. Yeah. <laughs> I thought he only, I thought he only made three movies. Yeah. Yeah, I thought he died in a car crash. No, this guy has a huge cock. <laughs> Um, oh, that James Dean. But anyway, American Psycho, uh, <laughs> great movie. They remade. Uh, did you ever see the Funny or Die clip where they remade the the uh, Huey Lewis scene those, with uh, with Weird, Weird Al, Al. And, and Huey Lewis? Yeah, yeah. Whenever I say Huey Lewis, it always reminds me of Borat because his son was named Huey Lewis. <laughs> That's right, Huey Lewis. Whenever you say Huey Lewis, I kept on thinking of Ducktales. Isn't what? that one of the kids' names? Huey, it's Huey, Huey, Dewey, Dewey and Louie. Louie. Or I think of uh, Back to the Future. You're just too darn loud. <laughs> that was Huey Lewis. Did oh. you know that? He was, in, he was in the movie Duets. Yeah, with Gwyneth Paltrow. There you go. Directed by her dad. Or, was it her dad that directed that? I don't Bruce know. Paltrow. Maybe. He's dead though. Now. Rest in peace. Yeah. <laughs> and Huey Lewis. Uh, the album Sports played a big part in Futurama. Did you ever watch Futurama? I didn't see that, no. That was where Fry stored his lucky seven-leaf clover. Are you as big of a Futurama fan as you are a Simpsons fan? Uh, no. I, I really like Futurama. The, when it came back from the dead, uh, they released like four direct-to-DVD movies, mm-hmm. and they were not very good, Like to the point where some of them were kind of bad, and it really, really disenchanted me. And it came back for, I think, two seasons on Comedy Central, and I wasn't a big fan of it mm. then. But no, Simpsons is way more <clears throat> way more uh, quotable and endearing. Futurama, though, is people get a lot of uh, 
get their panties in a bunch about Futurama's being gone too soon sort of thing. Like it was canceled before its time, even though it had eight seasons. Hmm. So anyway, we're off topic here. American Psycho. Check it out on Netflix. Futurama's on Netflix too, so check that out. <laughs> uh, Back to the Future's not though. I don't Sucks. think Bo- I don't think Borat is either. Can we just talk about what is and isn't on Netflix yeah. for the next hour? Let's do that. Well, you think Star Wars will ever be on Netflix? Nah. Are the Mad Max movies on Netflix? I was wondering. Yes, they are. All of them? Uh, All three? I think so. I'll have to check. Okay, that's cool. Because sure. I was thinking about that the other day. I need to I watch the... those. Yeah, I need to rewatch them before the new one comes out. Because that new one is that fucking trailer. Trailer is freaking amazing. So, it, do, do we know? Is it a continuation or is it a is it a reboot? Because the same director. Yeah, George Miller, George Miller, who directed Babe. We're coming full circle here. Babe Two, Pig in the City. Actually, he didn't direct the first one. I don't think so. Babe Two, Pig in the City, actually is a very underrated movie. That's a very strange movie. The weird kind of every city that they live in. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Let's let's find out. No, Chris Noonan directed Babe, oh. who was also behind. Some other movies. I think the the it mm. looks like the Mad Max movies were taken off. Oh, Son of a bitch! And now I got to go to wherever else to rent them. The, the ten thousand other streaming services that are out there. Where would where would I go get something like that? Amazon does movie rentals pretty. Uh, you you would probably have to do it digitally. Um, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, they they may throw them in a red box. Maybe sometimes it happens. But you're better best off doing iTunes, yeah. Amazon, or Vudu. Probably yeah. your best three options. God. And we're talking what, like two ninety nine to rent, something like that. Something like that. Old, old for HD probably. God, it, that's so stupid. What? Eight, charging a difference between HD and SD. Well, just recently, um, if you've ever used Vudu, they have HD and HDX. Oh yeah. They put they made them the same price now. That's good. What's HDX? I don't know. HDX is like full ten eighty p and and like full uh, Dolby sound. If the ba- if your bandwidth could ever handle it, yeah. You get full ten eighty. By the way, HDX on Voodoo looks amazing. I don't know if you've ever used it, but I it, never use HDX. I just use HD. HDX is incredible. Was Voodoo the way that some people saw um, the interview? Was that one of the uh, ways? No, it was not. Um, Voodoo. I love Voodoo. That's my preferred <clears throat> uh, system because it's got all my ultraviolet stuff on there. So all of my mm-hmm. digital copies and stuff are there, and it's you know, yeah. Whatever I saw the interview, I can't remember the website that I saw it on. It was the. It was the Sony site, right? It was Colonel. 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 Man, freaking Colonel looked great. I don't know if that's... Look at all this 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 free plugs we're giving to these streaming services. We need to get on the phone with them and have them sponsor us, too. Yeah. You're like, Voodoo's the best. No, and they're not giving is... us any fucking money. God damn it. Thinking like a salesperson. Thinking like a Scientologist. All right. <clears throat> that's That's enough for this week. What's coming up next week? a slow week it's a slow week i don't i don't know if we should do a show or we should talk or do the other idea we've been talking about forever um because the only thing that are the only things that are out this uh next week are the longest ride uh which i don't know if any of us really want to see and uh that's a new nicholas sparks film jared loves nicholas sparks i met i interviewed nicholas sparks a couple years ago remember yeah for um the The lucky got all wet (laughs) <laughs> he was a southern dandy like he just did not give a shit he, like not not that he didn't give a shit but it was funny because I talked to him I said one of my questions was how would you convince a man to go see one of your films he's like well I, it doesn't matter to me women are my audience I don't care mm. was essentially his answer the other movie that comes out is While We're Young which ah. uh, 
uh, Kiko and I saw, but we're not allowed to talk about it yet. Uh, so we may do we may we may do a show or we may do this other idea that's been brewing that we will finally get to do because I think it comes out a, a week from today. Okay. On Netflix. It's What's teasing. that? That's you're teasing that we're, we want to do a commentary track. Yeah, we're going to. It's coming out on Netflix already. Yeah. Oh shit. We're so we've been we've been waiting to see because there's no guarantee that anything ever comes out on Netflix. So we've all been crossing our fingers and hoping that <clears throat> the identical. Uh, which is just a horrendous movie. Come- my my worst film of the year last year. Oh yeah, uh, uh, and it was in my top three worst films. Um, but we've been waiting for it to come, so so all of you could have access to it, or most of you <laughs> could have access to it. So what we want to do is we want to record a commentary track. Basically, Kiko and I have seen it, and we had an absolute blast watching it. Uh, and Jared has never seen it, <laughs> so he would be going in cold. Um, and this is one of those bad movies that. I mean, it's impossible. You can't watch this by yourself. It's impossible. You have to, to to not talk through it. I think Cody and I were at a press screening with one other person. Uh, no, there were there were a couple. There was a few other there. people. Yeah. I, we talked through the whole fucking movie. I'm sure that people were pissed because it, <laughs> it was impossible not to make fun of it as you watched it. And, and movies like you know, uh, there's other there's other terrible movies where you, that. I wouldn't recommend, but for some reason, I don't know. I, of course I would recommend the identical unless you're like ready to go in and just like tr- trash it <coughs> with, you know, a couple of beers, you know, yeah, best friends. Is that what we're going to do? We can Have drink while we watch it. All right. So, so that's a good idea that we're going to steal a riff tracks premise. I uh, guess. A bunch of people have done it. I know that Pete Holmes has done it for his You Made It Weird podcast. He did He did one, uh, the, assassin, the Assassination of Jesse James by the Coward Robert Ford with John Mulaney. So uh, the, how do we do that? We, we're just recording the commentary track. We're not playing the movie over the... Correct. Okay. So that, that gets us free from, from, from any... So if you just listen to that podcast, you're like, what the fuck are they doing? Yeah, yeah, and what and what we'll do is, you know, if we follow through with it, there's we got to figure out the technical aspects of it. But what we'll do is we'll we'll basically pause it and and you can sync it up with us, and then we all press play at the same time. Yeah, I know how it works. I'm not ex- I'm not <laughs> oh. doing this for your benefit, dickhead. <laughs> Jesus, man. Okay, so if you want to get a hold of us, you can uh, reach us at email us at podcastsinnesnob What are you doing? <laughs> I wasn't done with that. <laughs> You are now, bitch. <laughs> you can email us at podcast at cinestop.net. You can call us at 920-FILM-210. That's 920-3456-210. Don't forget, our Pee-wee's Big Adventure movie party is next Yay! week. That was my Pee-wee Herman. We've sold close to 30 tickets so far. Next week at Alamo Draft House Park North in San Antonio. Monday, April 13th at 7.30 p.m. Uh, remember, tickets are uh, seating is reserved, so please buy your tickets early. That way, you get the seat you want. You get to see with your friends, and it's only five bucks, and you get a prop out of it. You get a bunch of a bunch props. Of props. Right, the one we dropped was a uh, big toothbrush, giant toothbrush, which I'm actually going to try to brush my teeth with. I have a big plastic prop toothbrush that came from like the dollar store or something, mm-hmm. and I like to rub it against my teeth, and it, it's but it's all plastic, so it's like. <laughs> So that you're gonna say something else that you do with it, but maybe not. Perv. Anyway, uh, leave us a review on iTunes or Stitcher. Uh, anything else? Uh, we know we should have some more giveaways in the coming weeks. We we gave away some spring tickets, so uh, 
If you're out there and you, you're Who was winner. our winner? Uh, we had two winners. Who was our winner? Do you remember their names? Uh, Give them a shout out. Give them a shout out. Come on. Hold on. Hey, way to put them on the spot there. Well, we got to shout out. Cody the knows a lot of people. I was just supposed to remember two names. <laughs> it was... Uh, it's Kiko and Jared. Yeah. It was, <laughs> it was Alec Vasquez and, uh, and Laura Serrata. By the way, Alec Vasquez is a hugely loyal listener. He came and talked to us after the uh, yeah. King of Kong screening. So, Alec, thanks a lot, man. Yeah, thank you for thank you for listening. Yeah, <laughs> Wait, well, what? It's true. Not, not even our own parents listen to this. <laughs> you so. sounded like really like nice about it, like, dude. I don't. You. Yeah, because it's sincere. I can't believe people listen to this. It's crazy. <laughs> and it like came and talked to us. Yeah, it's like like it's, sought us out. Yeah, like someone who might classify themselves as a fan is is crazy to me because of this shit. <laughs> <laughs> I hear I I bet Alec like repeats your puns to people. Oh, I'm. He's you know like, what? did y'all hear what Cody said this week? Yeah, yeah. He goes up to people and he's like, "Hey guys, did you did you hear what Cody's pun this week?" And people just look at him like, "What are you talking about? You're crazy person. You're ca- I'm talking like Tommy Wiseau. <laughs> you crazy again. person. <laughs> you crazy person. <laughs> look, I only slept like three or four hours last night, and it's amazing that I've gotten. this Were far. you waiting up for the Easter Bunny or what? What happened? The thing was, I was trying to catch him in the act, and that's probably why he didn't come because I stood up, uh, stood stood up, <laughs> stayed awake trying to look for him. Yeah, dude, that's like Easter Bunny one hundred and one. You can't ever fucking. I know, see but him. I got too excited. <laughs> Do you guys? Uh, uh, whatever. <laughs> what? Finish it up. Finish did, you, the did you guys take pictures with the Easter Bunny like you did with Santa? Because <clears throat> I know I have. I think I have a picture with the Easter Bunny. I remember we Is took it a our creepy one. I remember and, we took our. It's always creepy. I remember we took our dogs once. Oh my god! Uh, when I shut the fuck up. <laughs> I was a fucking kid. Okay. Oh, I thought you Not meant like, like now. No, fuck no. My dogs. Well, I mean, I didn't know that. I thought you were like you know you and an ex had taken dogs together or something. That would have been fucking stupid. <laughs> you did one of those like uh, like what Sears photo shoots. You didn't have to bring up my relationship status oh, in your uh, in your dig asshole. If you want to date Jared, email yeah. us at how, podcast. Does it, how does it feel, Jared, to have it coming back at you? That venom that you give <laughs> anyway, to me. At any rate, <laughs> you could have when seen I was it on a, your. When I was a kid, Facebook we took our. Stuff. When I was a kid, we took our dogs to uh, to get uh, their picture taken with the Easter Bunny, and it, I mean it was a dumpy costume. The Easter Bunny is a hard thing to pull off because at least with Santa, you can have a real person that looks like Santa, like my dad. If you want to hire him. Oh, this isn't a commercial for him. He's not sponsoring and paying us. Screw that. <laughs> it's trade. He's going to be at our Christmas party. I remember when you told me that your dad looked like Santa Claus. I was like, whatever. And then I saw him. I was like, Santa Claus. Yay. <laughs> you asked him for presents. He's like, it's June. Keep yeah, going. exactly. Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I'm going to tell you what I want. All right. On I, that. I, th- I think, I, I guess if we're going to tease something else, we also, we want to try to do... I think we brought this up last week. We want to try to do something for the one-year anniversary. We're looking right? to do a one-year anniversary party. We haven't uh, got any details yet. But, but, but if would, you want to give us money to throw the party, that'd be we great. Would, we probably want to try to... <laughs> Let's Kickstarter a party. Re- record live, right? Do that a, would be do awesome. Do a live show for the, live show for the, um, for the one-year anniversary. That'd be awesome. So it's just be us through an Alec. <laughs> 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 Don't diss our own one fan. Maybe he has other friends. It's like a pyramid scheme. <laughs> what? what? I don't even understand that. He'll bring three friends, and then we'll have four fans. <clears throat> On that note, 
I'm Jared Kingery. I'm Cody Viafania. And I'm Kiko Martinez. Thank you for listening to the Cine Snob Podcast. To read reviews, interviews, and more, visit cinesnob.net. See you next week.